Russ Willis will be back as my guest on Gesundheit with Jacobus this weekend. He is CEO of Bighorn Botanicals in Knoxon, Montana, home of UTIP products. U is spelled Y-E-W. Its bark was originally researched for chemotherapy-like properties in cancer treatments, which is still done today. Russ Willis will tell us more about the benefits of the tips of the U-tree. Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is nice to be with you. And uh, really, it is a pleasure for me every Saturday morning to sit here from, from, from 8 to 11 and interview guests, uh, writers, uh, people who have done research, um, but everything has to do with health, healing, and healthy lifestyle. Now, as we talk about health, healing, and healthy lifestyle, so I have to make a disclaimer. We are not here to diagnose, treat, or cure. Anything being said on the show, it's all about information, education, hopefully a little entertainment. So please, contact the guest after the program. Get the best education you can get through books in the library, magazines, the internet, or a physician or specialist of your choice. If you are dealing with a specific health issues, health issue, we always recommend that you get the best information you can find for yourself if that interests you. So just want to let you know that information is coming your way today as well. This is a very interesting topic about the U-tip. Uh, Russ Willis... <laughs> Russ, I'm going to get you involved here. Russ Willis is president and general manager of Bighorn Botanicals, a family-owned and operated company located in northwestern Montana near the rural town of Knoxon. Bighorn Botanicals was founded in 1991, beginning with a contract to harvest and process Pacific U-bark. Uh, the botanical name is Texas Brevifolia, and it was done for a pharmaceutical company developing a chemotherapeutic drug from a natural anti-cancer constituent found in the U. We're going to explain all that as the show progresses. Now, on completion of the contract in 1993 and revitalized consumer interest in the use of herbal supplements, the company began developing specially selected botanicals, which have been historically documented as significantly beneficial to Native Americans and pioneers in the Pacific Northwest. Over the years, Russ Willis has researched and developed products for alternative healthcare professionals from medicinal herbs native to northwestern Montana based on ethnobotany, which is historical use, scientific research, and sustainability of the resource. He has also been a raw material supplier for the past 25 years, to the herbal, nutraceutical, and pharmaceutical industries. And uh, they have supplied a lot to, uh, to companies. Clients have included companies in the United States, Mexico, Asia, and Europe. Now, Bighorn Botanicals, Inc., you can find them on the web. Go to bighornbotanicals.com. 
They are in Knoxville, Montana. The telephone number is 406-847-5597. Russ, great to have you back on the show. Good morning, and thanks for having me again. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> you know, we, we talked about it yesterday. He came to the store, and uh, he said, when was I on the show? And we checked it out. It was May 29, 19, no, what, May 29, 2010. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Uh, we, uh, you, got, haven't, you haven't aged a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got separated for a little while there. Yeah, we, did. <laughs> we just have been doing business with you, and it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, you know, what you do, what the products that you have. And um, I just hope that, you know, it, it's, it's going to continue to be great for you. So I am wondering if my microphone is not working. I see right now it's really low. Uh, I'm going to do something. I'm going to change. I'm going to grab this one. And what I'm going to do, that is number two, I'm going to raise my voice right there. Look at that. This is what I'm going to do, Russ. So now we're both on the same line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least we can make contact here. That's pretty good. All right. Well, uh, Russ, I tell you that the UTIP... As a, from my point of view, retail store, it, it, it goes in waves. And I think that part of it is because in my case, uh, I have so many different products in the store, but I have seen an uptick because people have come back and said, this stuff, this product is really working. I, I sleep better at night. My digestion is better. I feel healthier. I don't get sick anymore. My immune system feels stronger. Uh, people have said we have issues with uh, swelling or tumors. They don't know if they're benign or not. They say they're disappearing. Um, so all of a sudden, the word is spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. And of course, you have seen this over all the time. I'm just glad to see this happening right now with the people I work with. And so um, um, that to me is, is very important. Now, what I like the listeners to understand is what is a U? <laughs> the Pacific U tree grows wild in northwestern Montana and northern Idaho. And uh, it's the geographical area where the inland U's are. It's around a 13,000-square-mile area. Really? It's bigger than the state of New Jersey. Wow. It stretches all the way from uh, Glacier Park all the way down to Orfino, Idaho. And those ewes are scattered out through that area uh, in patches of anywhere from 10 to 100 acres. Okay. And they grow like in colonies. And the yew tree is a very long-lived tree. Uh, they'll live thousands of years. Huh. And uh, they're very slow-growing. Uh, I say that the yew tip business is just like the tree itself, mm. slow-growing but long-lived. <laughs> <laughs> and that has been very true over the years. Yes, yes. But the way I got my relationship with the Pacific U began in January of 1991. Mm. And at the time, I had an outfitter and guide service business. I took people on hunting trips and pack trips. 
and I was at a sports show mm-hmm. in Seattle, Washington, and I was promoting uh, my outfitting business. And when the show opened, uh, first thing in the morning, this guy walks up to me at my booth and asks me, do you have any yew trees there in Montana? And I knew we did because I had fooled around with making bows out of them. Oh, I see. Um, yew wood is very excellent wood for uh, making ar- archery equipment, bows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what the Native Americans used was okay. the yew. Oh, wow. And uh, anyhow, I told him, yeah. We have yew trees there, and I asked him why. He says, I'm buying all the bark I can get. And I asked him, what for? And he said, for a new cancer drug called Taxol that they're extracting from the yew bark. And he handed me his card, and he walked off. I talked with him for maybe 30 seconds. Huh. And it was a life-changing event for me. Wow. And at the time, I had been looking to get into another business. Um, I was starting to become uh, a little bit wary of the outfitting and guide business. Mm-hmm. And uh, this really caught my attention. Yeah, I said, well, this would be great, be able to help people and make a living, you know, from a natural resource. So I got home, and I could not stop thinking about the cancer drug Taxol. Yeah, And so I called this guy's office up in Seattle, and I talked to his secretary, and I left my number, and I waited about a week, and the guy, he did not call me back. Yeah, I waited another week. I called, talked to his secretary again, told the secretary I was trying to get in touch with the guy, and uh, she said, I'll give him your number. I waited another week. Uh, I called the office number back again and the number had been disconnected ah so i thought uh uh-oh something's wrong here yes yes and uh i waited about a week more i tried the number again same thing recording that it's disconnected Hmm. so i waited another week and i could not stop thinking about this i see so i got frustrated one day and I called the National Cancer Institute in Washington, D.C. And I asked them, I said, who's in charge of developing the cancer drug Taxol? And they gave me the name of the pharmaceutical company, mm-hmm. I, which was Bristol-Myers Squibb. Yeah. I called them up. I asked them, do you have a contact phone number? And it was in New York City. Yeah. I called up to <clears throat> New York City. And I introduced myself. I told him, I'm Russ Willis. I'm a licensed Montana outfitter and guide. I have a good working relationship with the Forest Service where these yew trees grow. Yeah. And uh, I hear you're in need of yew bark. Yes. And they said, yeah, well, you need to talk to Hauser Chemical in Boulder, Colorado. I see. <clears throat> They're the ones in charge of extracting the tax off for us. I see. So I got the phone number. I called them up in Boulder, Colorado, and I ended up talking to one of their vice presidents. I introduced myself, told them I was an outfitter, and that I uh, knew how to work with the Forest Service. I see. And that guy flew up in, at the towards the end of February. Okay. Flew into Spokane, Washington. He rented a car, and he drove over to northwestern Montana, where we are. And I snowmobiled him up to where the yew trees were. Hmm. It's the dead of winter. Yes, yes, yes. And I showed him the yew trees, 
I said, is this what you want? And he says, yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got involved in the program with them, and I started the U-Bark project out in Montana as an experimental product on the Kootenai National Forest. Okay. And we did a little bit over 13,000 pounds of bark for them that year. Wow, wow. Which was uh, not a heck of a lot compared to what happened in 92. In 92... But did you primarily do this yourself at the time? You kind of did that much? Uh, I had uh, three different crews harvesting for me in the field. And then I uh, I rented a place uh, with a big hay barn. And uh, we dried the U-bark in the sun on black tarps. Okay. And we'd get it in under the barn at night, you know, so so the dew wouldn't uh, moisturize it. Correct. And the company, they sent some of their people up. They supplied me with the milling equipment huh. and got me squared away on how they wanted this stuff dried. Yeah. And in 92, we expanded the whole operation to the Flathead Forest and the Idaho Panhandle, and we ended up doing over 90,000 pounds of bark Holy for them that moly. year. Holy wow. Huh. In 93, uh, we did over 200,000 so, pounds. Wow. How many crews did you have then? There was, uh, in the Kalispell area, there was 400 people. Between four and 500 people were involved in peeling operations. Really? Yeah. So what, what did you use, like a, like a thin knife? or how They would work? have one person go through with a chainsaw and cut it up in about three-foot sections, and then you'd have five or six people following the chainsaw with peeling knives, peeling the bark. So you literally chopped the tree down? Yeah. And, then you, and how tall are the yew trees? In Montana, they're a brushy, shrubby form. Oh. And uh, it was labor-intensive to peel the bark. Uh, sure. Over on the coast of Oregon and Washington, yeah. the yews over there, they grow into trees. Okay. They, they're like 30, 40 foot tall. Okay. And they would saw, they'd bring them in on log, by the log truck loads, and they had mechanical peelers at mm -hmm. their processing plant over at Cottage Grove, Oregon. Yeah. And I went over and saw that operation. Our yews were much smaller. They were brushy, shrubby variety. Huh. And it cost more to peel the Montana ewes, but what kept us in the game was they found out that the taxol content from the Montana ewes was more than twice as high as the Oregon and Washington ewes. Because it was such a small, compact tree. They told me that the reason was because we were at the fringes of its range and it had to work harder to survive in Montana, and as a result, it made more of its goodies. Hmm. That's what they told me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in 93, uh, it was a cost-plus deal. Uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb financed the whole thing. Wow. Bristol-Myers Squibb had exclusive rights to all yew trees on federal lands. Wow. That was part of the agreement with the government to develop the drug. And uh, what happened was... Uh, the, uh, most of this occurred on Forest Service lands. Mm. And what the Forest Service allowed us to do, all the areas that were scheduled to be logged, and they were after the logging was over with, they go in and slash and, and burn the unit, 
and kill all the ewes. I see. So what we did was we got our crews ahead of the logging operations, and we got in there, and we got the ewes out of there, and it was actually a, a gigantic salvage job. I see. So uh, we didn't by any means cut them all down. Uh, most of the areas they wouldn't even let us into, and those ewes are fine. You know, they survived through this whole project. Huh. But they told us from the get-go that the need for the bark, uh, taxol, was the compound that they wanted, and there was more taxol in the bark than any other part of the plant. Huh. And they told us from the very beginning that uh, it was a temporary project, mm-hmm. that this was not going to last forever. Right, it, right, it right. Couldn't. Once they found a component or compound, then they... they it, it bought them time to come up with a semi-synthetic. Mm-hmm. And they made the announcement uh, in February of 1994 okay. that they had their semi-synthetic and uh, overnight the bark gig was done. It was Overnight, history. huh? Wow. Yeah, that was it. Huh. They said, thank you very much. See you later. Wow. And I wow. said, thank you very much. See you later. Because we all made money. Yes. yes Everybody yes. was happy. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the Kalispell area alone, they had everyone from college students to senior citizens involved in these peeling projects. Really? And they got paid by the pound. And uh, so everybody was real happy with it, you know, but then it was over with. I see. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened in late in 92, I started hearing stories about people in the Pacific Northwest making a tea from the very tips of the limbs of the U tree. This was already in 1992. In 92, I started hearing these stories. Huh. And at first, uh, Bristol Myers Squibb told, told us, and if you went and looked it up in an encyclopedia or anything, uh, most of the information that we could find uh, said that Taxus brevifolia, the Pacific U, was poisonous. I see. It is not. There are seven species of yew trees growing around the world, mainly in the northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Just due to an idiosyncrasy of nature, the Pacific yew does not contain poisonous alkaloids. Okay, okay. European and Asian yews are very toxic. Huh. They contain an alkaloid called taxine. Yeah. Taxine stops your heart from beating. Wow. You cannot ingest it. Wow. Most ornamental yews, if you go into a nursery and you buy a, a yew to plant in your yard, uh, pretty much all of those are of European and Asian descent and sometimes so, hybrids of the two. Huh. And they look exactly the same. They look very similar. Okay. You, you could tell the difference. I, yeah. But you, uh, they look very, very similar. Huh. But you cannot use the European or the Asian yews internally. Uh, they're toxic. The Pacific U doesn't contain the tax sign mm. for some reason. Huh. Uh, God just made it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for you. <laughs> well, uh, so I started hearing these stories about people making tea from uh, the U and that were dealing with cancer, and the cancer cleared up. They beat the cancer by drinking yeah. the U tea. So I started running the stories down, talking to the people, and they explained how they did it. So I started drinking UT myself. Yes. Nothing bad happened. Uh, in fact, I felt energized. 
Huh. And uh, the inflammation in, in my lower back started to subside. Huh. And I said, "This, I like this stuff. So then I had a friend back in Virginia, uh, an elderly gentleman, and he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. They did chemo. They did radiation. They did surgery. And the doctor finally said, look, we've done all we can do. Get your affairs in order. Yes, yes. And <clears throat> this guy's name was Bob Boger. And his son, John, and I had been best friends growing up together. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob was like a father to me, pretty much. Let's, let's continue with that story. We're hitting a hard break here, Russ. So uh, very interesting. Thanks so much for the explanation. I think people enjoyed that story because it's true life story. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it really special. Uh, Russ Willis is my guest this morning on Gesundheit with Jacobus. He's from Knoxon, Montana. We are discussing the Montana U and the benefits that it has. The Texans and how Bristol-Myers Squibb used it to make Texol the most used chemotherapy drug on the planet today. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. Thanks for listening. morning everybody welcome back to the program a little music by russ willis himself <laughs> okay Good morning, russ yeah i'm picking in a grinning <laughs> you're picking in a grinning you've played uh, guitar you say since uh, you were 10 years old and this one is called bull river boogie so you recorded that this year last winter last winter all mm-hmm. right all right welcome back to the show gesundheit with jacobus uh, my uh I'm I'm your host, Jacobus Holloway. We are talking with Russ Willis from Knoxon, Montana, about the Montana yew tree, the Pacific yew. Now, you said, Russ, that um, the yew goes, you, you're talking primarily about the Idaho, Montana area. Uh, is that because of that specific uh, kind, the, the brephifolia? Or is it, I thought that it grows all the way to Seattle and that um, that the people from Bristol-Myers Squibb, et cetera, were starting on the West Coast because there was such an abundance, but they couldn't find what they were looking for. And the more east they came, they were able to find this specific you that was smaller and more intense. And uh, that's when that's how you got involved. But you talking about an area that was what 120,000 acres or something? It uh, the inland use. Uh which is, I'm right in the middle of the inland U's, which is northwestern Montana and northern Idaho. Okay. The U tree, the Pacific U, grows from northern California all the way up the coast. It's close to the coast, up into British mm. Columbia. Okay. And they're mainly the tree form over there. But until I got into the picture, 
they knew there was uh, ewes in Montana, but they didn't really know how many. I see. And an inventory had never been done. Uh-huh. And what Bristol-Myers Squibb did was they financed an inventory that the Forest Service conducted. Oh. So within a year, they put all the Forest Service personnel out there and said, go find the yew trees. Huh. Well, then they found out there was a lot more over here than what they realized there was. Wow. And that's how we got involved in the thing. Mm. But anyhow, during the course of that big project, uh, as I said, you know, I started hearing stories about people making tea from the U and curing themselves of cancer. So uh, the friend of mine that I was talking about before the break, uh, the doctors told him he had stage four prostate cancer. It had metastasized to his liver, uh, his ribs. And uh, the doctors told him, get your affairs in order. Wow. When I heard about this, I told his wife about the yew tree. Yeah. And uh, I could supply them with, at the time, we started out using the bark. Okay. To make the tea with. So she said, yeah, we have nothing to lose. So I sent him back a supply of the bark, and and she made it for him and made him drink it every day, like four to six cups. It's a little bitter. Yeah. The first sip is sweet. It's really interesting. The first split second, you go like, hmm, very nice. And then it starts to become bitter. But then again, bitters are really important. It has a very robust flavor. <laughs> it definitely will stain your cup after yes. a while. So anyhow, I sent him the tea, and he started drinking the tea. And uh, he began feeling better, getting more energy. Uh, he went back to work. He was a bricklayer by yeah. trade. Yeah. And he got back on the job, and uh, he just kept getting better and better and feeling better. Uh, He outlived his oncologist. No way. Yeah. Wow. And they didn't tell the doctor what they were doing at first, but the doctor said, asked the wife one day, they went in for a checkup, and he says, uh, the cancer is in remission. He said, what are you doing? Mm. And... uh, they, was he also doing chemo and radiation? He had already been through all that. Oh, yeah. He said, make your affairs and all that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They, they said, we can't do anymore. Anyhow, uh, within six months, uh, they couldn't find any more cancer. It wow. took about six months. And uh, that was a pr- pretty dramatic response. A huge. Uh, n- not everybody is going to have that same response, but he did. That's amazing that it already spread and that you still have that kind of result. Yeah. Yes. So anyhow, uh, he w- they had given up. He was a goner. Uh, six months later, he took a vacation with his wife and came to Montana, and I took him horseback riding. Wow. It's the first time in his life he'd ever been on a horse. Yes. And he was smiling and <laughs> enjoying life. He lived for three more years. Wow. He had had heart attacks, two heart attacks, prior to the cancer. Yeah. And one day his heart gave out, and he just put his head down on the kitchen table, and he was gone. Wow. But the cancer didn't kill him. Well, I see. And uh, then I met another guy that lives right there in Sanders County where I'm at. He was a Vietnam vet. Yes. And he had a cancerous tumor at the base of his spine that he thought was caused by Agent Orange. I see. And I told him about the tea, and I gave him some. He started drinking the tea. Lo and behold, he went into remission. Wow. 
and he refused to do the radiation and surgery and surgery and the chemo. He wouldn't do it. But he wanted to, he wanted to go natural, and he did. And his tumor disappeared. Yes. So at this point, uh, early in '94, Bristol Myers Squibb made the announcement that they had synthesized it and that there was no longer a need for the bark. Mm-hmm. So that ended our uh, relationship with them. Right. But at that point, I had learned and knew enough that I thought, well, maybe uh, we've got something here that might be useful in cancer protocols and an herbal type of therapy. Yes. So I didn't know where to go or where to begin. And some friends of ours that lived right close by in Heron, mm-hmm. uh, they knew what we had been doing. And they told me, you need to go see Mildred Nelson at the Biomedical Center, also known as the Hoxie Clinic, down in Tijuana. I see. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote Mildred a letter. And uh, she called up a couple of weeks later up there to Montana. And uh, she was from Texas, a very uh, straightforward, straight-shooting type of individual. Yeah. She said, I got your letter, and I'm real interested in this UT. How soon can you be down here with some of that stuff? I see. And I said, well, uh, a couple of weeks. I, I, can, I can get down there. So I uh, got a plane ticket booked into San Diego. Yes. And uh, they picked me up at the airport, took me down to Tijuana to the clinic. Yeah. A very nice place. And... Uh, I met Mildred. Mm-hmm. I, when I went down, I uh, smuggled in a couple of suitcases of you bark tea. Yes. They didn't expect you to smuggle <laughs> anything into Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I met with her and her head doctor, Dr. Gutierrez, and I showed them how to make the tea, and we all sat around and drank, drank a cup. Yes. And I left her with a supply of the bark tea to start testing on her cancer patients. Yes. About a month later, she called me up and says, send me some more of that uh, UT, and I'm coming up there to Montana. I want to see these trees myself. Yes. And so she did. Mm -hmm. And she came up to Montana, and I took her out, and I showed her the U trees. And Mildred had uh, a whole lot of experience dealing with medicinal herbs used in non-toxic cancer protocols. Okay. Uh, mainly the Hoxitonic. That was uh, yeah. their shining star of uh, the products that they use. But um, she was always interested in uh, anything that could help. And she had heard about the cancer drug tax, all that what kind of got her attention to it at first. She came up to Montana, and I took her out, and I showed her the trees. And she started studying the yew trees, and... She says, well, why are you taking the bark? I said, well, because the pharmaceutical company told us there's more taxol in the bark as compared to the needles. And she, she ran her hands over the limbs. And uh, she didn't say anything for a while. And she says, you know what? I want you to get me the very tips of these limbs. When you say tips, you talk about how much. 10 to 12 inches of the very tip of the bough. The, okay. The very tip. That's why it's called U-tip. Right. And the branches are about how long? Uh, the, it varies, but they'll be anywhere from six to uh, eight feet long. 
I normally. See. Okay, so you it, took it's about, a brushy, shrubby form. Took about a foot off the tip. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She said, "I want you to get the, me the tips of these limbs. I think what I'm after is in the tips." I said, "Why?" She said, "Because it just it's common sense that tree the energy is coming from the roots." the root system going up through that trunk, up through that bark, and out to the tips of those limbs. Makes sense, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I said, okay. So we started doing the U-tip tea for her that summer, and then that this started in 94. And the following spring, spring of early of spring of 95, I went back down to the clinic, and I asked Mildred, I said, okay, what do we got? And she said, the U-tips are the way to go. Okay. They, they're a more, he said, it's exactly what I thought. They're more effective than the bark, huh. which was great because we never cut another tree down to get the bark after that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Because the, just hand pruning the tips of the limbs is very sustainable. Yeah. So we began, that's when the U-tip thing started. It, it went completely U-tip in 95. Let's take a short break for this. We have a caller on hold who would like to ask you a question. You have to put your headphones on. Uh, good morning, caller. Thank you for your patience. Uh, what's your name, please? How can we help you? Well, this is Clint. Hey, Clint, good morning to you. Russ, what year was it you came to Bozeman and got on the Jacobus' program? 2010. May 29, 2010. Well, that's the first time I heard you talk about the U-tip. Yes. Hey. Yes. And so I, I had just had bladder cancer, and Dr. Schreiber in Billings, Montana, operated on me and uh, and uh, took the carcinomas out of the bladder. And they uh, gave me a tuberculosis vaccine I had to take for a week. Okay. And uh, so anyway, when you come up with that Yule tip, I went down to Jacobus's and I bought a bottle of that. Yes. I think I bought a couple of bottles. The capsules? Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, then I mixed it with saffron. That's right. I remember you saying that. Yep. And I uh, I got to credit you and Jacobus and, of course, Dr. Schreiber, but I credit you mostly for the Yule tip because I do think that that there is what cured my bladder cancer. And I've never had a reoccurrence since. And uh, wow. I kept all my parts, and it, it's a wonderful thing. That stuff you're talking about is wonderful. Yeah. And I went to Mexico. Oh, you did? I went down to Mexico for some some dental work. And I was at Hospital Angeles. I don't know if you know where that is, in Tijuana. I do. Yeah, I know where it is. Okay. Well, they got the hospital, the dental hospital there and the hospital. And there's a little causeway between the two hospitals. Okay. There's a garden and stuff, and it's really beautiful, okay? Yeah. And I was talking to some of the doctors there one day when they were out having their coffee and whatever. And they said 90% of the cancer that people have, they go to everywhere in the world to try to get cured and then come to us at the very last. And the doctor told me, Garros was his name, said if they'd come here to start with, at first we could have cured most of them. I see. He told me that. 
And so, but I want to say that this tax all stuff that you're taking, along with what I did with the saffron from Judy Fisher down here at Belgrade, uh, really worked. And I want to applaud you for your patience and your time and for what you're doing for people. And thank you very much. And I, uh, I'm glad you're still around to tell the story. Yeah, isn't that something? Good for you, Clint. Thank you so much. It is sometimes, you know, when the information is that uh, simple, when you hear the story, and then you, you, you realize how a simple story and a, a wonderful product, for whatever reason, is saving a life like this, extending a life, um, that must make you feel great. Something I would like to, uh, this is a good time to bring this up. A lot of times when people get their cancer situation straightened out, yeah, it comes back. Right. Especially if uh-huh. they've been through chemotherapy. It's very, very common. It may be one year, it may be 10 years, but it usually comes back. And what I recommend is that people take the UTIP capsules periodically, two a day is sufficient as a preventative dosage, and the reason being is to keep the taxanes in your bloodstream. I see. So that that it, cancer does not want to come back. I see. One of the very unique things about the yew tree, the taxus species is the only plant on earth that produces naturally occurring compounds called taxanes. Mm-hmm. Taxol is just one of the taxanes that they developed the drug out of. Okay. There are literally hundreds of different taxanes in the yew tree. Okay. And they peak in the summertime during the peak of the growing season and the very tips of the limbs. I see. Mildred Nelson instinctively knew this. Uh-huh based on her experience. And so we that's why we do the harvest in the summertime when the taxanes are at their peak. What taxanes do, the mechanism of action, is when a cancer cell replicates, it grows what's called a spindle fiber. And at the end of a spindle fiber, a new cancer cell develops. Then the spindle fiber disintegrates. And that new cell grows its own spindle fiber and puts out another cell. That's how the cells replicate. Yes. What taxanes do is they prevent, they prohibit the spindle fiber from disintegrating. Uh Uh-huh. So the cancer can't replicate anymore. That's why it's a good idea to take it periodically as a preventative to keep the taxanes in the bloodstream. Wow. Well, the U is also a very potent immunostimulant okay and what happens is and I've, uh, I've had people who say they just feel the immune system is stronger yes yes uh, it's it's good to take it periodically just to stimulate the immune system it helps you uh, not be so susceptible to the cold and flu bugs and that type of thing yes but the 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 taxanes stop the cancer cells from replicating then the immune system gets stimulated, and the immune system finishes the job. Uh-huh. But the very most important thing is when you're dealing with cancer, you have to have a complete protocol. Okay. And one of the very most important parts of the protocol is the diet. 
Okay, makes sense. Okay, if you don't, if you're not eating an anti-cancer diet, nothing is going to work. I see. And you can Google anti-cancer diets; they're all over the internet. But the main parts of an anti-cancer diet is to completely avoid sugar. No sugar. I see. The reason being is because cancer cells feed off of sugar. Correct. That's why people with cancer crave sugar. Absolutely. It's the cancer wanting it. Yes. The other thing is avoid the alcohol. Alcohol turns into sugars in the body. Mm-hmm. The other thing is avoid bleached flour products. Uh-huh. Okay, bleached flour products made from uh, wheat that is uh, harvested off of most farms and, and all across the country. What a lot of people don't know is that part of the process when they go to cut the wheat is they spray the whole crop with Roundup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes the crop all ripen at the same time. I see. That's why they do that. Well, Roundup, uh, Monsanto, the company that makes it, they deny this, of course, but they, they just lost a, lost a big court Lawsuit, battle over yeah. this recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roundup causes cancer. So if you're going to eat bread products, you need to eat organic. Yes. Uh, The other big thing is to avoid processed foods like burritos that you cook in the microwave. I see. Good point. You should get rid of the microwave. Yeah. When you cook food in a microwave, the microwaves convert the nutrients into carcinogenic compounds. Wow. So uh, get rid of the microwave. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Avoid processed food, uh, canned tortillas, things like that. Yes, yes, yes. You need to be eating uh, fresh, organic fruits, vegetables, meats, and you really got to clean the diet up. That's the most important part of the protocol. Mm -hmm. If you do not do that, uh, chances are is you're not going to beat it no matter what you're doing. Good point. We have another telephone call. Good morning, caller. Thank you for waiting while we were talking. What is your name, please? How can we help you? Yeah, my name is John. I live in Bozeman. Hey, John. Good morning to you. Yeah, I'm very interested. And how do you spell this U on the, the U tree? It's Y-E-W. Okay, now is there a website? Because I'm really interested. And in, uh, is there a website I could go to to uh, find, my, find out more about it? Or is there a place in Bozeman where I could go to to talk about it? Uh, our website is bighornbotanicals.com. And in Bozeman, the place to go and the guy to talk to is Jacobus at Gesundheit <laughs> Nutrition Center. And I will be down there myself from 1 to 2 o'clock this afternoon at the store. If uh, anybody wants to come down and visit while I'm there, uh, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Do you, do you get, know where we're located, uh, John? Yeah, would, would, you, um, would you give me the address? And what's the name of the store again? Yeah, it's called Gesundheit Nutrition Center. Yes. You know where North 19, Bed Bath & Beyond is? Bed, North 19? Bath, yeah, North 19, 2855, North 19th. Thank you very much. I'll yeah, see so you this afternoon you, after work. Yeah, sounds good. So uh, you know where Bozeman Ford is? Yes. Right across the street is Subway Sandwiches. We're next door to Subway. Well, thank you so much. I'll, You're I'll welcome. come by when I get off work. Thank you, John. Thank All you. All the best. Bye-bye. Um, that's really... Powerful stuff. Thank you so much for that. Um, yes, the product is available at our store, Gesundheit Nutrition Center. And we're going to talk more about the products in the next uh, segment. 
because it's not just the capsules. There is tinctures, there is creams, there is uh, lip balm. You have uh, the tea, loose tea or bag tea. Uh, there is a, an oil, and the uh, we need to we need to really let, talk to people. What I usually recommend to people when they take the UTIP capsules, take one capsule per for every 50 pounds of body weight and then round it up. So if you're 155, go to four capsules. Is that uh, pretty much what you suggest? The dosage that the doctors came up with for a cancer protocol down at the biomedical center yeah. is nine capsules a day. Nine capsules a day. Nine a day. That's okay. the dosage that they came up with, yeah. and that's what they recommend. Uh, that's where I got it from, was to their guidance. Okay. And it's three in the morning, three at noon, and three in the evening time with meals. Okay. I'll be darned. Occasionally, <clears throat> not very often, but sometimes somebody will experience some mild diarrhea or mild nausea when they first start out. Well, what the U-caps do, what the U does is it starts to detoxify the body. Okay. And if you detox too quickly, that in itself is going to make you sick. Okay. So if you do start to experience symptoms like that, what you want to do is discontinue use for about three days and then ease back into it at a reduced dosage. We're going to continue with that. Folks, we'll be right back. Russ is actually working with the FDA. He is totally FDA compliant. Uh, they know what he's doing, and um, you have no issues with labels. And uh, what's your processing? Russ, good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Yes, we are licensed with the Montana Department of Health and Human Services. We're inspected periodically by our county sanitarian. Yes. We are registered with the FDA yes. and compliant with uh, all of their regulations. Uh, they have 41 pages of regulations that we have to comply with. Okay. They show up unannounced and do surprise inspections on us. They've done this three different times. They're usually at the processing plant for four days. Huh. And it takes me about two hours to give them a tour of the facility the whole rest of the time is spent going through paperwork. I see. Every single thing that we do, you have to have a standard operating procedure for, and you have to have manufacturing records for every product that we do. We have to have independent lab reports on each different batch of the products. Yeah. And um, the FDA goes over that stuff with a fine-tooth comb. Mm. Uh, it was... Uh, very difficult at first to set all this paperwork up. Uh, when I first read these 41 pages of regulations, the regulations are designed after what pharmaceutical companies have to do to manufacture drugs. I see. The herbal business has become, uh, it's a lot more complicated than it was 10 years ago before these regulations went, in, went into effect. But... Uh, now we're up to speed. I got the whole crew trained on, on mm -hmm. how to do all this paperwork, and, and all the SOPs are written. And uh, it's a highly regulated industry anymore. The, the mainstream media, the fake news, uh, reports regularly that the herbal industry is not regulated. Yes. That is not true at all, I'm here to tell you. Yeah. We yeah. are highly regulated, 
And uh, the FDA is fully aware of what we're doing, but we're not making any drug claims on our website or our labels. And uh, they're le- they're leaving us alone. Wonderful. That's really awesome. I mean, you've done, obviously, you've done the history. You've done the, uh, you know, if, if you follow the rules, you never have to be sneaky about it, right? right. I mean, exactly. it, that's all they ask. And you go, in a way, they're not out there with us clipping the tips and they're not harvesting. But everything that happens in the processing plant is exactly how they want it. Why do you have to rebel against it? Just do it. If you're not complying with the FDA regulations and you choose to butt heads with them, I guarantee you, you're going to lose. Good point. That's the way it is. Yes. I really enjoy this whole story about the how you got involved and uh, and just the plant. And I recommend people come over, pick up a DVD and just look at uh, look at the plant because there's over 10,000 square foot, right? Where you do everything. Yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, there is, there is, you make soaps. I saw that. That's really interesting how you do that. Tell me about some of the products that you have besides the capsules. So what is in the capsules? Uh, is, are there certain extracts in it? Tell us a little bit about the compounds in the U that you find in the <clears throat> capsules. The capsules are our most popular product. Uh, by far because they're easy to take they're convenient yes uh and the way that the capsules are made is when we bring the u-tips into the processing plant during harvest season uh, we mill them up we put them in the dryer we dry it down to less than eight percent moisture content it gets packaged up and that's the ut okay then you take the ut and we run it to our powdering machine, and that turns it into the powder. Yes. We don't add any fillers. There's no flow agents. There's no additives. There's no preservatives. Mm-hmm. And once you get the powder made, then we encapsulate it, and they're vegetarian capsules. Okay. They're non-GMO. They're gluten-free. Uh, they're very easy to swallow, and they digest quickly. The vegetarian capsules... Uh, are very popular nowadays because if you're going to have a complete veggie type of product, uh, you have to go with a vegetarian capsule and not yeah. a g- gelatin capsule, which is made from cowhides. Yes. And uh, anyhow, the uh, there's the only thing inside the U-tip capsules is pure U-tip powder. Okay. That's it. Yeah. And the other products that we do are the liquids, uh, the tincture, which is an alcohol extract. Okay. And the U-tip oil, which is the non-alcoholic liquid. Okay. Uh, a lot of folks uh, that use the U-tip tincture, they'll, they mix it with water or juice to take it. It's got a very bitter uh, flavor. Uh, the U-tip oil doesn't have the bitter flavor. So why is it an oil? So it is not oil that it has to be applied topically. This is just the U-tip You extract. can take it internally or use it externally. And the way that the U-tip oil is made, and uh, I just figured this out trial and error, uh, you have to do the first step of the extraction with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. The alcohol is the best, very best solvent for for extracting the taxanes. Okay. And what I'm after is the taxanes, the yes. anti-cancer components. So then what we do is we combine equal parts of the U-tip tincture, the alcohol extract, with equal parts of organic olive oil. 
and we do this in crock pots. And uh, the average crock pot will hold uh, four liters. You put two liters of the U-tip tincture in and two liters of the organic alcohol. You turn the crock pot on low, and it takes about 20 hours for... You it said to, alcohol. You mean olive oil. Olive oil. Olive yeah, oil. Olive oil. The organic olive oil. Equal parts of the tincture with the olive oil. You turn the crock pot on low, and it's under an exhaust hood, and all of the alcohol and water from the tincture evaporate off, and the medicinal compounds are transferred into the olive oil. And the U-tip oil is also the base for the lotion, the salve, the soap, and the lip balm. Okay. And that's how the oil is made. Hmm. Then uh, we also sell the straight powder, two and one pound bags, for people who like to make their own capsules at home. Okay. Or they just mix it in with fruit smoothies, uh, applesauce, that type of thing. Yeah. About one-eighth... one level, one eighth of a level teaspoon is equal to one 300 milligram capsule. Okay. So if you're dealing with cancer and you're using the powder, one heaping teaspoon of the powder is equal to nine capsules. Nine capsules. Wow. And if you want to do the equivalency of the liquids compared to the capsules, one milliliter, one dropper, of the tincture or the oil is equal to one 300-milligram capsule. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the powder is really the extract is the easiest way to go. Uh, to most people that prefer the liquids, especially the alcohol tincture, uh, the U is a very powerful anti-inflammatory. Okay. And people dealing with inflammatory problems caused by arthritis, situations like that, mm. Uh, they they prefer uh, the tincture. That's what I take. I use the tincture every day myself. You prefer that yourself? I do. Um, I'm a coffee drinker, and I take a couple, two to three shots of that tincture every morning with my morning coffee. All right. I do it mainly as a preventative, keep the taxanes in my bloodstream, and as to stimulate my immune system. And I've also got inflammatory problems in my lower back regularly it helps keep that inflammation at bay and the, my back doesn't hurt so much have you have you done any blood testing for yourself and just find out if you how your immune system indeed is doing i never have because i feel fine okay <laughs> okay well some people just say i, I want to double check you know just to make sure that everything is working i've but been have talked to people i'm sure that have that have done the blood testing because of the diseases that they were dealing with and saw improvement in the readings? Uh, I haven't because uh, I enjoy pretty good health and, and uh, I feel good. So uh, I don't go to the doctor and, unless I got one foot in the grave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're not originally from Montana. You're from Virginia, right? Originally, yeah. yeah and then you moved to Missoula. You came study in Missoula? Or I came out and I went through an outfitter and guide school back in uh, 78. Yeah, and that's something. And I went to work for uh, an outfitter for a couple of years, and then I started my own outfitting business. In 1982? Yep. Yeah, wow. Interesting. So, uh, very, very, very powerful, the, the powder. So, in, uh, you have the capsules of 300 milligram, and they come in a 200 capsule and a 400 capsule. Uh, you brought me a bottle of the 400. I didn't even know they existed, so I, I was just hadn't paid attention to it, but that's a good idea. The reason I came up with the 400 count, 
uh, bottle of the capsules was for people that are dealing with cancer, and they're taking nine capsules yeah, a day. Yeah, it's like a good month supply. The 400 count will last 44 days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the retail price on the 400 count bottles is $95. Yes. So if you're doing nine capsules a day at that price, it costs you $2.13 a day. Yeah, that is cheaper than chemo. Yes, much. And it, it benefits the body. And you're not going to uh, have toxic substances to deal with. Yes, yes. Um, so you mentioned if you have an, uh, a, a, a die-off reaction, you have a detox reaction, just back off for a few days mm-hmm. and then slowly work your way back into it. So do you recommend people... Uh, just to go for the nine a day and just see how you feel, or do you say start with start with six a day or three a day? Most or? most folks can start out with the nine a day. Yeah, but if they're if you're really really sick and you're in bad shape, uh, start out with just one three times a day. Do that for a week. Mm-hmm. Work your way up to two. Then then gradually work your way up to three. Three three times a day. If you detox too quickly. Uh, that's gonna, the toxins can't get out of your liver and your kidneys fast enough, and uh, that in itself is is gonna make you sick. Yeah, it's not worth it. Now, I I uh, I know we want to talk about this, but I want to jump on it already, if you don't mind. Um, I have I have had several customers now over the last few years who have used the UTIP for their animals, uh, dogs with cancer. And they are doing so much better within days after using this. The dogs are very sensitive. Um, cats will be more finicky. I don't know if you've heard of people who've used cats and uh, who've used it for cats. Uh, how did they mix it in? But I also heard you talk yesterday about people with horses. Uh, so if, but that doesn't have to do with cancer. But you, you were talking about some other disorders that horses have. And you're a horse man because you were an outfitter. Uh, tell us a little bit about how we can use the U. What forms do you use for animals? Uh, in the dogs and the cats, uh, the preferred product is the U-tip oil. Okay. And uh, the way that you use it is you mix it in with their food. Mm-hmm. And the dosage is one milliliter, one dropper, one milliliter per every 10 pounds of body weight. So, for instance, a 50-pound dog, you'd give them five milliliters, five droppers, once a day, and you mix it in with their food. Okay. It's the same dosage for cats, one milliliter per every 10 pounds. Okay. Uh, dogs, it's usually not a problem. They'll eat it right up. Uh, they seem to enjoy it. Really? Cats will be in finicky cats yeah like they are Uh they'll smell it and they'll look at you like what's this you know but after you get them to eat it the first time uh they go for it if they refuse to eat it uh you just squirt it straight in their mouth okay and then you get the point across it it's not going to (laughs) hurt and then they'll (laughs) usually start eating it but uh and uh elderly dogs and cats where they're having uh, their hips are going bad, they're having inflammation types of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, the dosage there, you can cut the dosage I just mentioned would be for a cancer situation. Okay, you can cut that in half for inf- inflammatory problems like arthritis. Okay, in half. I'm writing all this down because I'm not going to have people ask me about it. Yeah. 
Got doses in half for inflammation. Right. Wonderful. All right. This, uh, Russ Willis is on my program, Gesundheit with Jacobus. We're talking about U-tip, Y-E-W, U-tip, the U-tree uh, that grows in uh, the Pacific Northwest, all the way from northern Ca uh, California, all the way up into uh, Canada. But then it comes east this way, and it pretty much ends right here in Montana, northern part of Montana, northwestern Montana. Because of the weather situation, the trees in Montana are smaller. They're more like a shrub, like a big shrub. And um, and Russ was telling me when they go out and harvest, they uh, don't uh, harvest more than 10% of the the tips of the branches. So when, uh, they, they let's say the branches are five to six feet long, then they harvest maybe a foot, 10 inches to a foot of that. But of each tree, they only use about no more than 10% of the tips of the branches. So they never give the entire tree a haircut. They literally just use about 10%, and that is for sustainability. So there's a lot of trees. Back in uh, two years into this, once we started doing the uh, U-tip, uh, I didn't know where this was going. Uh, I didn't know what was going to happen with the business, how fast the demand would pick up. Yeah. Uh, so what I wanted to do was figure out how long it took these yew trees to grow back what we were taking. Right, okay. And I needed professional help. So I contacted a lady called, uh, her name is Dr. Nan Bantz. Mm -hmm. She's a Ph.D. plant physiologist. Uh, she's retired now. Uh, we became good friends over the years, and um, she, we stay in touch. And uh, I told her what I was doing up in Montana with the U-tips and supplying the biomedical center, the Hoxie Clinic. And she had heard about the Hoxie Clinic, and she was intrigued with what I was doing. Yeah, she had she was a scientist, and she had published ser several scientific papers on Taxus brevifolia. Yeah, one of the papers she published was where I got a hold of the information that confirmed what Mildred Nelson told me that. Those taxanes were peaking in the tips of those limbs in the summertime. So I got in touch with uh, Nan. I told her what I was doing, and I told her I needed help determining how to do to establish sustainable harvest protocols. Yes. And she agreed to come up and help me. In 1996, we started the study, and we did this in Montana. And we went out and we harvested the tips. We tagged with metal tags, um, several different hues. We shall we take a break? Okay, keep people <laughs> guessing because this is interesting. We got to take a break because of the hard break coming up. This is Gazuntai with Jacobus. We'll be right back. It's raining again, what a pain, living in the rain. The roof's not on the house quite dead, and the floor is getting wet. Creeks up high and it's muddy too, and I think I got the flu. If I knew why the sun don't shine, I know a lot more than you. It's been raining now for the last three weeks. I got mud clear up to my cheeks, and things are looking mighty slim. 
we may have to swim, but July will be here soon to get us out of this monsoon and living in the rain is just a pain. I'm up here near the Purcell Trench, planting trees and getting drenched. Well, if you recognize the voice, uh, that's uh, Russ Willis singing himself. <laughs> Morning, Russ. Uh, so you just recorded this CD not too long ago, and uh, kind of a fun project for you. You have you you've played with bands. Uh, you play all kinds of music, and this is kind of a solo album, I would say. It's um, these are all compositions <clears throat> by yourself. It's a collection of songs I've written throughout my life, and I'm 65 years old now. I started taking guitar lessons when I was 10, so I've been playing for 55 years. Wow. And the main reason I made the CD was for my kids. I see. And because they grew up hearing this music. Uh Uh-huh. But I had never recorded all of it and put it in one place. And I did it for them, but uh, I've... I had a hundred copies made, and I started giving them out to friends, and then people around town started asking me for them. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's gone. I've, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you for the copy you gave me yesterday. <laughs> so I uploaded it on my uh, on my computer, and so I thought I'll play a few of the songs, get people introduced to your musical talent as well. We are talking about the Montana U tree and the phenomenal benefits that are found in the tree. And so we do hope that you are uh, enjoying the show as well. Now, Russ, right before the break, we were talking about this test by this uh, friend of your Nan uh, on sustainability. And part of that was because we were just talking about how much you actually cut off the branches when you harvest in midsummer or high, high to the summer, and then how much, what percentage of the tree is actually getting a haircut, and there was a reason behind that. In 96, as we were talking about, um, I began to become concerned with how how long it was going to take these ewes to put back on the growth that we were pruning. Yes. So I went to Dr. Nan Vance, Ph.D. plant physiologist. She mm-hmm. was based at the Pacific Northwest Research Station at the University of Oregon. Okay. And Nan agreed to come up and help me, and she came up uh, three summers in a row. And the first summer, we went out and we pruned the very tips of the limbs. She took all of the tips back to her laboratory, weighed them all, measured them all, and documented uh, documented all of what we had done. Then the second year, she came back up, and we measured the regrowth. And the second year, it wasn't a whole lot, like uh, maybe an inch okay. or two. And uh, what we found was every place that we had made a cut, it would go three to six new branches. How interesting. At the end of the third growing season, mm-hmm. we measured all the growth. And what we found was that compared to the original measurement of the of what we first harvested the very first year, after three years of growing season, there was more biomass. Uh-huh. It stimulated them to put on more growth. So at the end of the third year, Nam says, okay, you need to give them at least three years, and I'm going to add in one more year. He said, I want you to wait four years. Uh-huh. And the reason she added in the extra year was as a cushion. 
Okay. Because, because you never know what the weather is going to do, etc. Well, uh, occasionally, not very often, but what will happen in the springtime, if the ewes thaw out from the snow quickly and then you have a killing frost and they started to grow already, okay, it will stunt the growth. Okay. And uh, you don't see that very often, but that can happen. Uh-huh. And uh, so she said, you, you give them at least four years. Okay. And so at the earliest, we're going back to the patches every fifth year. Okay. And you go back five years later, and they're bushier than when we previously harvested them. It's actually the way that Nan lined our protocols out for us. It's actually uh, more than sustainable. The way that we're doing it is it stimulates them to put on more growth. Okay. They like being pruned. Okay. They respond very well to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, at first, you know, when we first started doing this, uh, most of the harvesting, uh, it takes place on Forest Service lands. Uh, the botanists would come out and inspect the harvest, what we were doing, and they would go out and they'd walk through the units with me. I'd do walkthroughs with them, and they would inspect uh, what we did. And then some of the patches, after they had been through a couple of rotations, they'd go back out and they would see this growth. The botanists would. Yeah. And uh, anymore, they don't even come out, out and check on what we're doing. They know we're not hurting them, that mm -hmm. we're taking care of them. Mm -hmm. So it works out real good. Let me ask you a question about, I was just trying to visualize this. So you go in, you cut the, 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 the tips of the tree, 10, 12 inches of the branches. Then you're not going to go back to that section for, let's say, up to five years. Five years, at what least. What happens to, let's say, the backside of that, that specific tree? Are you going in the next year and then cut those branches off? Or are you leaving the whole tree alone? No. And then you just go to a whole different patch? Once we, when we get into a patch, we work the whole patch over. Okay. Because I'm not going back for five years. Okay. And so I know I'm a, not going back. You have back. it kind of zoned or something? You kind of know what the patch is? How big the patch is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, after you do your harvest the first time, I have a whole uh, filing system set up on every year back to 1994. I see. With maps uh -huh. on where it came from, where the UTEPs, how many pounds came from that patch, yeah, and uh, the legal description of the location. Mm. And these wow. are all circled on maps, and I have spent thousands of hours driving all over northwestern Montana and northern Idaho looking for U patches. Are you able to just move around and go wherever you want to go? Is this forest land? Is this uh, federal land? Or is this private land? Most of it's uh, Forest Service, federal land. Some of it is state lands. I see. And some of it's private land occasionally. Okay. But 90% of it is Forest Service ground. Uh, do you need to get a special permit from these people oh, to yeah. go there? Yeah. You have to have a special use permit from the Forest Service. And I was getting special use permits from the Forest Service back when I was doing the outfitting business. I so see. I was very familiar with that process. And what I do is I'll go in and I give them an operation plan. Okay. Tells exactly the legal description, a map, how many pounds mm -hmm. we're going to harvest from the area. Yeah. And uh, so they have a written operation plan. And then they write what's called a special use permit. They charge me so much a pound for how much ever I'm going to take, and I write them a check, and uh, 
I'm out the door, and we do the harvest. And no, don't. Uh, they used to come check on what we were doing, but they don't even do that anymore. No. And uh, they're real happy with this anymore. Like this year, the last two years have been pretty bad fire seasons over in Sanders County. Right. And uh, I noticed a couple of years ago, uh, there was an article in our local newspaper. They were interviewing some of the firefighters, and people were asking, what do you guys need? Do you, do you need bottled water? Do you need this or that? Yeah, yeah. And they said, you know what we really need? We need lip balm. Huh. Because they're, they're bending over, and they're digging those fire lines. Yes. Their lips get horribly chapped and cracked. Hmm, from the heat and From everything. the heat yeah, and yeah. the ash, I you see. know? yeah. So... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to the ranger station, the Forest Service, and I donated 100 of our lip moms, and I told them, here, give these to the firefighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they love that. Good. Because I did it a couple of years before. I did the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so all the firefighters are out there, and they got uh, U-tip lip balm yeah. on their lips. Oh, interesting. And uh, it helps them out quite a yeah. bit. So tell the listeners, please, Russ, uh, what are all the products that you carry that that you are able to make at this point from the U tree? Uh, the internal products are the capsules, the mm -hmm. powder, the tea, the tincture, and the oil. Those are the internals. The external products are is the salve, the lotion, the soap, and the lip balm. Okay. And the salve, there's kind of an interesting story on how it got born. Uh, I had been working with Mildred Nelson down at the biomedical center for, we were, I was working with her for about two years. And I would go down to the clinic every springtime and visit with Mildred. I would take whatever uh, scientific information or ethnobotany that I had dug up. I'd share that with her. She would share with me what the doctors were seeing uh, what their best responders were. Yeah. And uh, what they found was their best responders uh, using, they include the UTIP capsules in probably 80% of the protocols that mm -hmm. they prescribe. Wow, isn't that amazing? Their, awesome. their best responders were breast, ovarian, and cervical cancers. Yeah. Prostate cancer, non-small cell lung cancer, and lymphomas, and huh. they also included it in leukemia situations. Uh -huh. And what they discovered was that the taxanes would cross the blood-brain barrier, and it was useful in brain tumor situations, wow. which wow. are extremely difficult to deal with. And it doesn't matter if you get that out of the tea or the tincture or the uh, the, the, the capsules. The the tea. Uh, most of the taxanes are not water-soluble, but ah. some of them are. Okay. But not all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people that enjoy the flavor of the tea and the aroma of the tea, they usually respond very well to it. Okay. Some people just can't uh, drink it because it's got kind of a bitter, robust flavor, and some folks just don't care for it. Yes. But some folks love it, and the folks that like it respond very well to it. But if you want to get all of the taxanes, yes. then the capsules or the powder or the oil or the tincture is the way to go. Now, uh, I would think you could also put, like you you put it in your coffee, 
you could actually make the tea or any tea, and for that matter, that you like, and just put the tincture or the oil. You can in the tea. Now, does the oil dissolve, or does it? Because you said the taxins are really being absorbed by the oil. Does that neutralize the the greasiness of the oil, or is it still an oily product? It's oily. It's olive oil. Okay, that's yeah, it's just the half main, and half. Yes, that that's the main ingredient. So it kind of floats on top. Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, but if people say. I want to do a liquid, but I do not want the alcohol, then the oil is the way to go. Yeah. And then figure out a way, like you mentioned, apple you sauce can, or yogurt you, or something. Some people uh, squirt the, the tincture straight in their mouth and swallow it, but yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. It The f- flavor, the way I describe it, is gnarly. Okay. It's got a rough... Even for you. It's harsh. And you, I mean you. Yes. Y-O-U. <laughs> but you can squirt the oil straight in your mouth and swallow it, and it does not have a harsh flavor. Uh-huh. The people that really enjoy using the oil the most are people suffering from acid reflux, huh. ulcers, situations like that, mm-hmm. uh, esophageal cancers. Oh, I see. Uh, they'll squirt that oil straight in their mouth and just trickle it down their throat. I see. It's very soothing in those situations. Wow. I should try some. Just I don't have the issue, but I, I would just want to taste it. It it's, doesn't have uh, a harsh flavor. Mm-hmm. What's the shelf life on them? This industry standard for herbal products is three years. Okay. Okay. I think the U lasts a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. But the industry standard is three years. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen those things on the. That's why everything has an expiration date these days. No, not anymore. Not anymore now. No, and the re- here's the reason. We don't put expiration dates on our products. And the reason is, and you'll notice if you, uh, like now, Foo's pretty big company. Yeah. Some of the other big ones are not putting expiration dates on because it's law. The FDA requires that if you put an expiration date on a product, you have to have a stability study to back it up. Well, to get a stability study done at a laboratory, you have to pick the compound that you want them to test for. Okay. So when I went to my lab and I said, can you do a stability study on the U products? And they said, sure, but what do you want us, which, which compound do you want us to test for? Oh, boy. And I said, well, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. And what's this going to cost? And it says uh, about $600 on every batch. On every batch. Well, at the time, we could not afford that. Yeah. So what we do now, and what a lot of companies are doing, is all of our lot numbers are coded to the date of manufacture. Okay. 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 So, for instance, a lot number of U-tip capsules bottled for retail production that was manufactured in June of 2018, Yeah, you'll see our lot number will go YC for UCAP, R for retail packaging, and then 6th, the month of June, and 18th, the year. Okay. And that lot number is listed on all of our laboratory reports. We have to have heavy metal testing done, micro... Um, nutrient testing done for pathogens, and an identity test done. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And those lot numbers are all recorded on the certificate of analysis that we get back from the laboratory. Okay, okay. So if somebody has one of our products on the shelf and they say, well, when was this made? Uh, you can trace it back to the lot number very easily. I see. Looks to me like I have somebody coming in. There's a phone call coming in. <laughs> so we can, let's take a phone call. Okay. You can put your headphones on. All right. Good morning, Cola. Thanks for joining the program. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Yeah, this is Pat. And I was just wondering um, how this uh, would affect your kidneys. My kidneys have been compromised because I had uh, congestive heart failure. And, yeah. and so... Uh, my kidneys have been compromised. I just wondered if I could take this and not have it hurt my kidneys. Um, you'd probably want to use the capsules and start out with just one capsule a day. Really? Uh-huh. In a situation like that. And uh, it, uh, what I tell folks with questions like yours is uh, to get some professional help from a doctor that can monitor your situation. Okay. And uh, so that can tell you, you know, what's going on with your kidneys. If you got a lot of toxins in your kidneys or they're weakened, uh, my suggestion would be to start out with one capsule a day and see how that works for you. Okay. And communicate with your doctor. Uh, let him know what you're doing. Maybe go in and get a, a check on uh, how things are going. And in a situation like that, I would go into it cautiously. Why is that, uh, Russ? I want to ask this, Pat, uh, also because um, why, why are you saying with cancer you can do nine capsules a day and why the kidney just one a day? Well, kidneys are a filter. Yes. Okay. If they're compromised already, they already might be backed up with toxins. Okay. If you overload them with toxins it might complicate the situation even more. Are you overloading with herbs? Yeah. Then it overloads the so, toxins. Yeah, if yeah. You, if you got uh, toxins someplace else in the body that you is going to want to get those toxins out of there, mm-hmm. it's got to go through the liver and the kidneys. If the kidneys are already compromised and backed up with toxins, uh, you don't want to overload them with more toxins. That makes sense. Now, uh, Pat, is there a specific diagnosis for your kidney issue? No, well, it's just that they, they are weakened because of, of uh, having to take the diuretics that I had to take to get rid of the liquid, and so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they they just say that my kidneys are weakened. That's what they say. Okay, well, that would be a suggestion, and indeed, if you're working with a doctor, see within a week or two, three, if or a month using one. So, Russ, I mean, you could go back to the doctor and say, can you check me and see if uh, my numbers are looking better? So, but Russ, would you say start with one capsule a day for a week and then maybe go to two capsules a day and, and yeah. work your way up? Yeah. Or does she stay on one capsule until she talks to the doctor? No, you could ease your way into it. Start with one the first week, and if every, you're feeling good, and there's no problems, then you could go to two. Um, you probably don't need any more than three. If you worked your way up to three over a three-week period, Okay. now you're getting a preventative dosage. And uh, But I think uh, you need to coordinate things with your doctor, if you can, and uh, check on what's going on. Hey, would that be one three times a day or just uh, one a day? One a day first, just one a day. 
And then if you feel fine after a week, go to two a day. So one twice a day. Mm, okay. And then you feel good after two weeks and say, you know, it doesn't bother me. Then go to one three times a day. Okay. And then what Russ says, then stay with that. And then uh, just go to a physician and say, can you check my numbers and see if my kidneys are doing a little better? Yeah, okay. And then work your way up from there. Okay. Thank All right. you. Yeah, good luck to you. Mm, Thanks thank for the you. call. Bye-bye. <laughs> Russ Willis, my guest, he is the CEO of Bighorn Botanicals in Knoxon, Montana. I started this uh, working with Bristol Myers Squibb, cutting the bark of the yew tree in uh, northwest Montana back in 1991. 1994, Bristol Myers Squibb found out of the bark what they needed to produce their cancer chemotherapy drug, uh, Taxol. You find quite a few chemotherapy drugs that are that end with the word Taxol, so you know that it comes from northwestern Montana. And uh, But they eventually synthesized it so they can patent it. Russ has been, uh, for a while, he cut off the bark, and then he found out that it was much better to actually use the tip of the branches. And we were just talking this half hour about sustainability, how he harvests this and how he works with the Forest Service. If you have any questions, 522-8255. If you uh, want to text us, do so at 266-7617, 266-7617. If you want to find out more about different studies, go to the website bighornbotanicals.com, bighornbotanicals.com. If you would rather uh, call them, and just find out uh, if there's anything you can, uh, information from them, call them at 406-847-5597, 847-5597. And you can find more information. I know we're coming close again to the break here, uh, Russ. Um, I, I, there is a few things that we definitely want to uh, address I also want to talk about uh, some testimonials that you have. You already gave us a few with your friend with the prostate cancer and uh, the other one who had the lower back on the the base of the spine. So that is another one that I like to hear and and a few other stories that you have. Uh, And I also want to talk about, when we come back in the third hour, I want to talk about all the different components that you have discovered in the U. All right? Okay, folks, uh, we're going to talk. We're going to come back after the news, so stay tuned. Russ Willis will be right back. Thank you for listening. So now uh, I want to ask, if you harvest only part of the time, what is done the rest of the time for those who are harvesting? We, uh, it's seasonal. Okay. It's, It's seasonal. The harvest goes on in the summertime. Most of the guys that work in our harvest crews, uh, they're doing logging at different times of year, construction. Okay. Oh, wow. Some of them are guides working for outfitters. Uh-huh. Uh, in rural Montana, usually uh, in a lot of situations, you're doing three or four different things throughout the year to make the ends meet. I see. Uh, the UTIP harvest is like putting up hay in the summertime. So how long does it usually take for the crew to go through a whole patch? Uh, it depends on the size of the patch, but I usually start the harvest up 
at the end of June, and it goes towards the end of August. Okay, so a good two months. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got done. Yeah, we just yeah. finished up yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's really interesting till the end of August. Now, um, one of the things we talk about, Taxol, the chemotherapy drug used by Bristol-Myers Squibb, it is because of taxanes. You mentioned to me that there are all different kinds of taxanes, but there are other, and there are other components that make up the U. Explain to us, please, what are these components? What are the benefits that you have discovered or that other people have researched? There's been a lot of scientific research done on the different constituents mm -hmm. uh, of the taxa species. Yeah. Besides the taxanes, which are unique to the U species, there are carotenoids, there are flavonoids, one of which is quercetin, that there's a lot of research behind. Yeah. Uh, there are lignans, and there's phytosterols. Collectively, all of these other compounds, uh, the lignans and some of the phytosterols, uh, they have their own independent cancer, anti-cancer properties. But collectively, they are antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial, and immunostimulants. Mm -hmm. So therapeutically, to have the taxanes and all these other compounds contained in one plant is very unique in the herb world. Uh, I have used a lot of different medicinal herbs that grow in northwestern Montana over the years uh, for many different reasons. But uh, by far, the yew tree is the most beneficial therapeutically of any herb I've ever dealt with. I'll be darned. So it, anybody can use it. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, quercetin is also good for allergies. Yes. And it is a... Uh, um, it's interesting that uh, <laughs> there used to be an, a urologist in town who used to use it himself to protect himself from prostate cancer and uh, swollen prostate in general. And uh, so quercetin, if this is also part of the sterile, uh, the, the, the flavonoids that's in here, mm -hmm. that's uh, very interesting. Huh. Hmm. Anyhow, you wanted to talk about testimonials a little bit. I'll tell you the story of how the USAV came to be. Sure. And about two years uh, into my relationship with Mildred Nelson down at the biomedical center, I went down one spring, and she says, you know what I want you to do? I want you to make me up a salve out of the U-tips. Okay. And I said, okay. So uh, I got busy with other things through the summertime and the harvest and all that, and I was still running the outfitting business at the time, and, and uh, I didn't get around to it, and wintertime came. And uh, she said, I was talking to her one day on the phone, and she says, uh, you going to uh, work on that salve for me this winter, right? And I said, yes, I will. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and uh, right after Christmas time, I was uh, loading up my uh, hound dogs one morning. And I was getting ready to go mountain lion hunting. And I slipped and fell out of the back of my pickup truck and broke my hip. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That really hurt. And uh, so I've... Uh, went to the emergency room and they x-rayed me and said yeah you got a broke hip and so i said what do i do and this is go home and stay off of it for two months which i did two months two wow. months wow 
And uh, they showed me the x-ray. It was cracked all the way through. Wow. And uh, so I went home, and I'm in my lazy boy chair, you know, mm-hmm. aboard stiff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been scheduled to go down to the clinic and visit Mildred like a couple of weeks later, and I called her up uh, after a couple of days, and I said, Mildred, I got some bad news. I'm not going to be able to come down to the clinic. I broke my hip. Yes. And the first thing she says, well, good. Maybe you'll stay put and make that salve now. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say, I'm yeah. sorry you broke your hip. Yeah, she, exactly. She was a Texan. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And she was tough on me. She said, you make that salve. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm on it. Yeah. So I started researching everything I could on how to make herbal salves, and right. I started experimenting with doing it different methods. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of mine, my best friend, Henry Eaton was his name. He has since headed up the Trail of the Great Beyond. But uh, <laughs> he had had a melanoma on his right hand removed a couple years before and when had it surgically removed mm. and when they removed it they ended up cutting a hole all the way through his hand i'll be darned uh, clean through his hand wow that's how deep the root of this wow. thing went huh. well he started to about time i start working on the salve he had got another on his left hand a melanoma oh and he went to the doctor, and the doctor says, yeah, it's another melanoma. We're going to need to cut it out. And Henry says, no, nah, I want to try to do something else this time. So I told Henry I was working on this salve. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kept fooling around with making the oil, mixing in the beeswax, and I took it over to Henry, and he would put it on his spot. Yeah. And uh, he said, make it stronger. So I made it stronger. What did he feel More when he put it on? Now, what did he feel when he put it on? It, uh, he didn't feel anything. Okay. Except... Uh, a tingling. At, so I made it stronger. He said, concentrate it more. Okay. So I took some to him, and he said, make it, make it full strength. Hmm. So I made it full strength. How and do you do that? You do that by combining equal parts of the tincture with equal parts of the olive oil. I started out just putting like uh, one part of the tincture to four parts of the olive oil. Okay. Okay. It wasn't full strength. Okay. So I ended up doing it full strength, equal parts of both. So it's pretty much like you mentioned, the oil. Exactly. That's how the oil came to be. That's how the oil got born. All right. Okay. It was part of the making the sab process. Yeah. That's the first time the oil ever got made. Right. So I made it full strength and I took it to him. And he would apply it to a Band-Aid and keep it in direct contact with that cancer. Yeah. And what happened was it became slightly inflamed, and it started to itch. Mm -hmm. And he just stuck with it. The itching subsided, and the inflammation went away. And it took a couple of months, but by springtime, that cancer was not there anymore. Wow. It died and fell off. Huh. And it just had a pink spot there. Wow. And so what we, he discovered this himself. He was the first one to ever use a salve on a, on a cancer. Yeah. And it was a melanoma. It was dark in color. Yes. Uh, and uh, he told, he was explaining to me what was going on. I said, How, how's, what's it feel like? You know, and he says, well, it's itching now. Okay. I says, is it a lot? And he says, well, it's noticeable. 
Okay. You know, but I'm getting through it. Well, the itching, after a couple of weeks, the itching stopped. The inflammation okay. went down. And then he would change the dressing once a day, clean it, wash it. Yeah. And he'd let it air out, okay. dry up for okay. about an hour. Yeah. And then he would reapply the dressing. I see. And the dressing was more than just the salve? No, it, it was uh, just the salve, but the way that he figured out, instead of just rubbing it on, he would put it on a Band-Aid and keep that salve in direct contact with that melanoma. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh. That sped things up. He started out at first just rubbing it on, but then he figured out on his own that he needed to keep that salve in direct contact with it. Yeah. By springtime, uh, my hip was healed up and his hand was healed up and i went down and saw mildred and i took her a supply of the salve and uh, she was happy that i finally gotten it done yes 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 (laughs) said good job and uh they had they already had several different external treatments for external cancers okay one of which was a blood root salve that they make yeah 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 yeah, we and, used to carry a blood root salve. Yeah, and they used a blood root preparation. They have a, a yellow powder. I'm not exactly sure what's in it. Not they, turmeric? Uh, no, it's not turmeric. Okay. Uh, I've never asked what's in it, and okay. I'm not sure. All right. But I've seen them use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry Hoxie developed it. Okay. And taught Mildred how to use it. Yeah. Uh, what they would do, uh, I've seen some horrible skin cancer situations down there melanomas especially and uh they'll use that yellow powder on is uh, it possible that it will be saffron i don't know what it is okay i never did ask because clint called earlier about the saffron that he used and saffron is yellow what they ended up doing was uh they would get these melanomas off some of them the size of a cauliflower i'll be darned off of these people's legs and stuff oh my goodness and they put treat it with this yellow powder, and the yellow powder would kill that tumor. Yeah, and it would fall off. But then where they used the use salve was the crater that it left. Okay. They would rub that salve in there, the use salve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sped up the healing, uh, really uh, reduced the amount of scarring mm-hmm. that was involved, mm-hmm. and uh, they finished it off with the use salve. Huh. And that's why Mildred wanted it. I see. The the blood root would burn. Correct. They couldn't use it in that situation, but mm. the USAV was very soothing. Yeah. And it also, uh, there wasn't near as much scarring involved. Hmm. So that's how they used the USAV down at the clinic. Yes. And that's how the USAV came to be. Uh, what we found since then is that the salve is very useful for a lot of different skin conditions, such as psoriasis, okay, shingles, eczemas. And this is the salve, not the lotion. The salve. Yeah. The salve. Hmm. And uh, it's used for, the salve is used today for everything from diaper rash to hemorrhoids. Wow. It's got a lot of applications externally. Wow. That is really awesome. The lotion is very useful for skin maintenance. It doesn't have as much of the U-oil in it as the salve does, but the lotion, uh, for maintenance purposes, is uh, very useful. Huh. Uh, I use that pretty much every day on my face. I, I get really dry skin, yeah. especially in the wintertime. You bet. And I use that lotion a lot myself. Yeah. Uh, 
the lip balm. It has quite a bit of the uh, U-tip oil in it. Mm-hmm. Very healing, especially mm-hmm. for fever blisters. Yes. Useful in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soap has a lot of the U-tip oil in it. And folks, uh, especially people with shingles, mm-hmm. really enjoy that soap mm-hmm. because it's soothing to the lesions. Interesting. And then they, oh, interesting. They, they use the lotion or the soap. Yeah. Uh, after they bathe with the use of the lotion or the salve, I mean. Oh, I think that is really outstanding to, to hear this. Mm-hmm. And, and people can obviously use combinations. They say, I can, you know, for example, if you use the salve for, in this case, the melanoma, you would probably also recommend, as you mentioned in the first one, first half hour, you said you got to stick with a certain diet. There are certain things you just have to stay away from, such as the, the processed foods, the sugars, the white flour, um, you know, no microwaves, uh, clean yeah. water. All that stuff is important, but um, it will be accelerated by using the U products, and it will be the capsules or the tincture or the oil, but then externally, in this case, you would add the salve to it as well. The uh, a very common, uh, the most common skin cancer is basal cell carcinoma. Yeah. The salve, the U-tip salve works very good on that. But uh, people need to be aware that it works speed up healing. You want to keep it in direct contact with the cancer. Yeah. And what helps is to be taking the capsules or the tincture or the oil also internally to get those taxanes in the bloodstream. Correct. Because it works both ways. You're fighting it from the inside and the outside. Yes, absolutely. And that's what works best. Yeah. And so uh, Russ mentioned earlier that if you uh, just simple from testimonials, uh, so like I said before, we're not diagnosing, treating, or curing, but if you, people he knows who have been diagnosed with cancer who are using the U capsules, use like nine a day, three, three, three per day. There are 200 capsules, sell for 54.95. And we're going to carry the 400 capsules as well. And they sell for $95 or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's about $2 and some pennies a day for 45 days. Then it was just a month and a half. So you should definitely start noticing. Many people already notice benefits within a week or two. But you stay definitely go through at least the one bottle. And then after that, perhaps maintain. Uh, do two to three a day for a while. And then work your way, but work your way through it. But you mentioned uh, Russ because of, maybe you can explain that again, please, to the listeners who tuned in late. The the Texans in the U, Y E W, have a certain effect on how cancer cells multiply, break off, and develop. And there is something about the Texans; they stop that cycle. To explain that again, please. The way. Taxanes work is when a cancer cell replicates, it grows what's called a spindle fiber. Spindle fiber. At the end of the spindle fiber, a new cancer cell develops. Mm -hmm. Then the spindle fiber disintegrates. Mm -hmm. And that new cell grows its own spindle fiber and creates another cell. That's how the cancer cells replicate. Yes. What the taxanes do is they prevent the spindle fiber from disintegrating so the cancer can't replicate anymore. 
then the immune system gets stimulated and finishes the job. Wow, very interesting. But here's the thing. Uh, people ask me all the time, will U-tips cure cancer? And the answer is no. No, of course not. You have to put together a whole protocol. And the most important part of the protocol is the diet. No sugar, no alcohol, no bleached flour products, no processed foods. Stay away from the microwave. Eat organic fruits and vegetables and meats. And uh, if you get the diet lined out correctly, and that's an anti-cancer diet. And if you Google anti-cancer diet, they're all over the Internet. Uh, You can get some really good guidance there. But probably the biggest one out of the bunch is no sugar. Yeah. Cancer cells feed on sugar. If they don't knock the sugar off, nothing's going to work. Thanks for that. We're going to take another final break, and then we have a half hour with you. Uh, Folks, Gesundheit with Jacobus will be right back. Stay tuned, please. Welcome back to the last half hour here with Russ Willis. And this is Russ actually playing a guitar that is made from U wood. It's a U-tar. It's a U-tar. Yeah. <laughs> That's really something. I, and I'm sorry, I, I clicked the wrong song to come back. So there was a little dead air, but this is what I want you to listen to. Sounds really crisp, I have to say, that the, sound. The, uh... The brightness of the U really shines through in musical instruments. Yeah. Now, you also have a few electric guitars made by made from U wood. Mm-hmm. How do they sound? Uh, I mean, electric that guitar. That was an electric one. This was an electric that's one. That's an electric one. That's the U-tar that's built in the style of a Fender Telecaster. Really? It almost yeah. sounds like an acoustic guitar. It does, and I played it through a little uh, Fender amp. Uh, when I went into Desiree's recording studio, and I just turned the amp on very low, yeah, and it sounds like an acoustic, but it's an electric guitar. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, it had very crisp sound. The yeah, guitars. and you had a bass guitar. I that? had a bass made, and I've had five, six strings made. Um, I gave and they one, all sound different. Each one of them sounds a little bit different. They all look a little bit different, but uh, they're all very nice. Hmm. Wow. Very nice. The Utah folks uh, didn't even know they existed until yesterday. I invented it. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> sure. <laughs> uh, Russ Willis, my guest on Gesundheit with Jacobus. This is the last 25 minutes. We are talking about the U-trees, Y-E-W. That's how you spell it. They are evergreens that grow all the way from Northern California north, and then they come east, and they end up in Northern Montana. And um, we've, for those of you who tune in late, uh, there are specific healing components in the U 
especially in the tips of the branches. And they are uh, the, 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 the phenols, there are flavonoids, there are taxanes, there are um, sterols, uh, carotenoids, carotenoids, all these lignans. Oh, lignans, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true too. And uh, so we've been discussing a lot about the U, and uh, we just had a call during the break, and somebody said, "Well, you're talking there about uh, eliminating sugar when you uh, have been diagnosed with cancer." And so he said, um, "What? Well, I thought that sugar. We all need some sugar." And so he was a little unclear about it, and so we, we chatted a little bit. Maybe that's why I didn't have my music lined up. I'll blame it on the caller. But um, explain to us, please, uh, Russ, what you mean when you say no sugar. Cancer cells feed off of sugars. And that's why a lot of times people dealing with cancer, they crave sugar. It's the cancer is what's craving it. And uh, that's you have to have an anti-cancer diet to be part of your protocol. But the most important part of the diet part is to eliminate the sugars. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very, very important. They make them flare up every time you eat it. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that means even no fruit for the yes, time being. because there's sugars in, in some fruits. Even though there has been research done on the black raspberries uh, by a professor at, uh, over here, lives over here, and he says the black raspberries contain components, antioxidants that have shown anti-cancer properties. So there are certain fruits like the berries specifically that, that have wonderful, that, they have a, more low glycemic. But to go bananas, oranges, uh, to go to the peaches and all that stuff may not be the best for you right now. So stay off those. Go easy on, on any fruit. Do more vegetables also with vegetables, uh, there is some talk about eating more vegetables that grow above the ground because they have more chlorophyll, they have more nutrients that are good, that are anti-inflammatory, uh, where the, 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 the sugar content and things that grow below the ground, like the carrots and beets and potatoes, they are just, the, the glycemic index is too high for them. Mm -hmm. And then he was also talking about eating meat. Uh, there's nothing wrong with meat, but I would recommend that if you have an issue with health and you're really working on trying to heal, I would say do free-range chicken, do freshwater fish, uh, do, you know, we always have issues with that, but you hope to get the good quality, and do grass-fed beef or game meat. Yeah, wild game. That's wild game, best. that's right, that's right. Now, the um, let me see here, Russ. Uh, we have some beautiful uh, things to develop. Now, you're talking about development of different other products. Are you working on something currently? Uh, my daughter, Chelsea, uh, she recently redid the formulation for our lotion, and uh, that turned out very, very nice. Okay. And she's been talking about developing some new products. Uh, she's working on that, and... Uh, one, I think, was a shampoo. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And so there will be more products to come. Uh, one thing we are have been working on lately, been working with a laboratory. I've always been very curious as to how many different minerals, how many different vitamins, how many different amino acids, uh, different compounds, uh, phytosterols, uh, beta-cystosterols specifically. Mm-hmm. 
exactly how much of that is in our U-tip powder, our tincture? Yes. And I've got a lab working on this. This is going to take uh, quite a while, time-wise, okay. to get all this work done. And it's pretty expensive getting this done. I'm probably going to have to do this in phases. But um, I know where, where these yew trees go over in northwestern Montana, the soils there are very rich in minerals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fella down at the university in San Francisco, he had our yew tincture analyzed at one point down there for minerals. Okay. And I was surprised to see how much gold and silver really? and copper huh. was coming out in that tincture. Huh. Well. There's gold and silver and copper deposits all over that country. I'll be darned. So there's, uh, Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the root systems of the U, they go pretty deep. Okay. And that's a big problem with uh, the American diet nowadays is the soils have been depleted of minerals. Minerals are very beneficial to good health. Yeah. Well, gold and silver, gold is uh, often used for rheumatoid arthritis, inflammation. Mm-hmm. Silver is a natural anti-viral, anti, uh, fungal, and bacterial uh, compound and anti-parasite. So it's interesting that those are found in their natural form inside the you, huh? Yeah, the the root systems are pulling the minerals up. Huh. And uh, they're there. In fact, if... If you go to our website, bighornbotanicals.com, yes. and click on the plant profile, uh, I believe that study is listed under the plant profile, all the different minerals. Excellent. I think that there's over 50 of them uh-huh. that, are, that are coming out. And uh, it, it, that, I thought, was very interesting because uh, I never knew that a plant could absorb gold. Mm, I see. But in its natural form. Yeah. The way it comes through the rocks and into the soil, and obviously this has been going on for for millennia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, folks, I want to let you know the telephone number in the studio is five two two eight two five 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 two two talk. The text number is two six six seven six one seven two six six seventy six seventeen. And I want to let you know that besides the website uh, bighornbotanicals.com, Russ will actually come over to the Gesundheit Nutrition Center this afternoon. He takes a short break for lunch after the show, and then he'll be over at about 1 o'clock till about 2 o'clock, and he will show you the different products that they make and so that you have an idea. We carry the line at the Gesundheit Nutrition Center, but if you just want to come and say hi, say you listen to the show, maybe you say, I've tried it, I want to tell you what I, how I'm feeling would be fun to actually uh, shake hands with Russ and, and get to know him. So that will be today, this afternoon, September 15, 2018, in case we replay the show. The people are going to gonna show up and say, hey, he was going to be at the show. No, September 15, 2018, Russ Willis will be at the Gesundheit Nutrition Center at about 1 o'clock. So 1 to 2, because he still has a couple things to get to in town and before he heads back out to Knoxon. What is that, a five-hour drive or something? Four-hour, five-hour? Seven. Seven hours? Yeah. Well, who's driving? Me. <laughs> and they raised the speed limit on the interstate to 80. Yeah. And you still takes you seven hours? Well, we take we stop in Missoula and get a bite to eat. Oh, I see. That's how it takes. But if you were yeah. going straight, what would it take? Straight through, it's, it's a solid six hours. I'll be darned. Huh. So you get there on your way. I haven't been there. So you get there on your way to uh, 
Missoula and then Whitefish and that that area, or you Polson, or you go past Polson. You go up just north of Arlie, and then uh, you head west on Highway 200. High 200 runs east to west all the way through Sanders County. Okay. You turn left on 200, and I'm all the way at the other end of the county. Wow. So you're very close to the Idaho border. I'm about 20 miles off east off the Idaho uh, border. Yeah, yeah, beautiful country. It is. Is it? Uh, is it pretty high elevation? Is that the area where the banana belt is also or not? My house sits at about 2,300 feet. That's it, huh? No, we're lower oh. in elevation. Huh. The lowest town in elevation in all of Montana is right in the northwestern corner of Troy. So, I'll be darned. Yeah. Even lower than Billings. I thought Billings was very low. Yeah. It's way lower than Billings. I'll be darned. Wow. Interesting. So there are different products. Your, your daughter is working on maybe on a shampoo. Interesting. Huh. I, you know, I really was surprised when you mentioned the oil, that that is something that's taken internally. I, but you can also take it externally yeah. because you made it part of the, the salve. And the salve then has the, the oil compound with some beeswax to give it a little bit more of a substance that stays on the skin and doesn't roll off. The way you make the salve is... Um it's uh, the U-tip oil yeah. and beeswax. Yeah. You heat that up to melt the beeswax. Okay. Stir it up real good. Pour it in the jars. When it cools, it sets up, stiffens up, and that's the salve. That's it. Very mm-hmm. simple. You were t- Now, is the, um, you were talking about your, your compliance with the FDA and the, uh, the protocols that you have to follow, et cetera, et cetera. You get any comments from them over have you gotten any positive comments from them that they say you know what you're doing is really awesome and blah 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 or they're kind of staying out they don't say anything they're not allowed to say anything maybe they're not allowed to i see they're they're never going to do that okay it's uh, too bad isn't it but you know in a way silence speaks golden over here because well, they're not staying. it's just the way it is yes um they have extensive regulations that we have to follow anymore. The the days of starting an herbal business off your kitchen table are long gone. I see. Uh, you cannot do that anymore. Uh, you have to have standard operating procedures for every single thing that you do. Yeah. Every single thing that you do in the manufacturing process has to be written down. The FDA looks at it. If it's not written down, it never happened. Hmm. And uh, they are very tr- well trained and very thorough when they come for their surprise inspections. Yes, they usually show up on a Monday morning. Uh huh. They're real proud of their badges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they flash their badge. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. an FDA inspector. Flip it open. Yeah. And I'm here for a surprise inspection, and you drop everything, and you uh, deal with them. Wow. And that's the way it works. I see. And if you they, literally have to drop everything and just literally. So it does, if if people are in the office, they have to walk outside, get outside. Nobody is allowed in the building. No, the employees are. The employees are. Yeah, but I'm the only person in our company that's authorized to do an inspection with the FDA. Uh huh. There has to be one person that is authorized, or maybe in larger companies, there's more than one. But I'm the only one authorized to do it. Do they do they check the equipment? Uh, do they only get samples of the U harvest? Uh, they check what? all the equipment. 
They have for what? What are they checking it for? If it's cleanliness. Clean? Okay. Okay. Cleanliness, uh, function uh, that it functions properly. Uh, they want to see if you understand how to operate it and how to clean it. They want to see your SOP on how to clean it. Your Which standard said? operating procedure. Yes. Uh, the employees, uh, if there's some production going on, mm-hmm. all the employees are wearing hair nets, plastic gloves, uh, white lab coats, yes, uh, shoe covering. Yeah, uh, all that has to be done if you're going to be in compliance. They check all that, and uh, most of the time is spent going over the paperwork documentation that you are complying with their regulations. I see. So you pretty much go through that list of 41 pages. It's 41 pages. And they do that in uh, how many days are they going through that with you? It normally takes four days. I'll be darned. Four eight-hour days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, if they find something that they want corrected, uh, they'll write you up a report at the end, which they usually always do. Because their theory is there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. They're a federal agency. Mm -hmm. And they don't feel like they're doing their job unless they can nitpick you on this or that or whatever. But if you say that your harvest is primarily from late June to late August, they probably will not show up in the off season. So they will be there when the harvest is coming in. They will, uh, they will then come in maybe the, the, the few months following, or is there production going on all the time? Uh, production is sporadic. Um, we've been inspected three times. One time, <laughs> the last guy that inspected us, he showed up in February. Okay. And he says, I am here to inspect some manufacturing. And I said, well, there is no manufacturing going on now. Okay. And before I got to the office, uh, the gal in the office told him, there's no manufacturing going on now. My mother got there about five minutes later, and she says, there's no manufacturing going on now. Yes. And so I walk in, and he says, I'm here to inspect some manufacturing. I said, there's nothing going on now. Yeah. And I said, look, I can arrange tomorrow for something to be going on so you can see it. And he says, no, it has to be a surprise inspection. I see. So, uh... I said, well, there's nothing going on now. I said, he says, well, I have to see something going on. <laughs> so I you said, grabbed your guitar and you played so, a little. No, <laughs> I, I say to him, I said, uh, do you have a card? Yeah. And he says, yeah, and he gives me his card. His name was Les. He was out of Bonners Ferry, Idaho. And uh, I said, okay, Les, how about this? My harvest season is this year's mid-June to mid-August. Okay. I will email you when we begin the harvest. There's a two-month window there. If you want to see something going on, that's when you need to come. Yes. Now, it can still be a surprise because I'm not going to know which week you're going to be here. Right, right, right. I said, will that work? And he says, well, I have to clear it with my boss. Uh, I'll let you know. Yes. I never heard from him again. Interesting. First week of August, he shows up. Oh, wow. We knew he was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be a surprise. But if you, after you do the harvest, the, I, you see on the video, for those of you who come see you today, there is a, there is a DVD that you made, and uh, it kinda, it's about a half hour, and it talks about the manufacturing and the harvesting, etc. Very interesting. But 
once the 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 U tip is is ground and there's not a lot of heat involved in this. This is very low heat, mm-hmm. correct? And then it's laying in these large dryers, dryers, and there is warm air coming in or slightly blows dry, in dry from the bottom, correct? And so that happens after the harvest, or is this going on during the, the harvest. harvest? During the harvest. And so then the production of, of tinctures and oils and, and all that stuff, is all that happening during the harvest or is there? That goes on throughout the year. That's what I was going to ask because you have these barrels with 60 pounds of yeah. powders in there. and that The and rest the of the making and, the capsules, the tincture, the oil, the salve, lotion, soap, all the other stuff goes on sporadically through the rest of the year. So when, they, when the FDA walks in and says, I want to see some manufacturing, isn't that part of the manufacturing? Usually, anymore, Monday through Friday, I got something going on. It just happened that guy showed up one day when there wasn't anything going on. Oh, I see. I see. I yeah. didn't tell him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you sure you only want to tell him so much. Because <laughs> they can make your life miserable if they want to. And that's what they're trained to do. Yes. Huh, four days. Wow. Yeah. Well, you have a pretty big facility. It's 10,000 square feet. Yeah. And... Uh, it, uh, I've gotten used to working with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of experience working with the Forest Service over the years, so yes. I was used to working with the government. Yeah, you, you told and, me that. 30 years you've been working with them. Yeah, and uh, you just have to find a way to get along with them. Mm-hmm. Because as long as you're compliant and you're not breaking any laws, yeah, uh, they can't really harass you very much. Uh-huh. If you butt heads with them, look out, because you're not going to win. No. Now, you are primarily the demand when it comes down. Your company, Bighorn Botanicals, is the one manufacturer of you products in the country. Yes. Yeah. You, Nobody you had just... ever uh, – we were the very first ones to ever develop a herbal line of dietary supplements and cosmetics from the Pacific U trade. Yes. No, but it had never, ever been done before. Yes. I started the whole thing. Yes. And uh, now uh, we're it. It's what we specialize in. I used to do and supply a lot of other herbs that grow wild in Montana. Yeah, the alder you had, the echinacea you had. Yeah, we did uh, a lot of different stuff. But uh, due to the FDA regulations, they want you to have an identity test from a lab on every single thing you do. Yes. It just got too expensive complying with their requirements. Uh, So the majority of our sales were the U products. So I discontinued everything else. Yes. The only thing we do is the U tips, Mm -hmm. and that's what we do. Yes. And when you go to, uh, you've gone to trade shows, uh, Expo West, Expo East. What are people asking you when they when they uh, walk up to you? The the manuf- are the manufacturers coming up to you because I know they walk around there too. Do they say we want to get your raw material, we want to make products, or what usually happens? I used to bulk wholesale to other companies, but I don't do that anymore. Okay, we only market our products, the YouTube products, under our own label. Okay. And we wholesale them to folks like you running yeah. retail stores, right? And on from our website, and uh, we deal with a lot of naturopathic doctors, oh, chiropractors, okay. yeah, acupuncturists yeah. nationwide, uh-huh. and in different parts of the world. Uh, the biomedical center is still one of our biggest customers. Yes, I'm sure that's been going on with them for 24 years. Yes, and 
independent retailers like you, Jacobus, those are our best friends. (laughs) Well, it it looks good on the shelf, but it is also we get the feedback from the customers that it works. And that, to me, is is always the best best witness report that you can get. Sure. Well, Waras, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah. Not, we're not going to wait another eight years. Uh, no. no, we don't want that. See you next week. <laughs>